Near, still near. Okay, let's see. At this time, Brother Reese, if you'd like to come and give us an update on the ministry, and then after Brother Reese gives the update, then we'll have uh, Pastor Holmes preach for us. So. Uh, I felt like I'm running every which way lately, but I guess that's not abnormal. <laughs> so we're here right now. I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> um, I'm trying to figure out where I am, but um, appreciate the chance to be back here. We just got to Michigan on Thursday, and uh, Pastor Holmes thinks it's an eight-hour ride in the car is a long time. That's about as fa- as long as you can be in a car in Papua New Guinea before the road ends. So. Um, <laughs> And that road wouldn't even take you from New York to Michigan, probably. So um, <clears throat> we, we were just uh, a little over two months in New York, um, right after I got back from my trip to Papua New Guinea. So that's the last time I was here. My family was here. Stacy came and picked me up in Detroit. When I went to Papua New Guinea in November, I was planning to come back to Grand Rapids, but... Uh, I was going to leave Monday morning from Port Moresby, and I got a text Sunday night that my flight had been delayed by about three hours, and it was delayed further, which obliterated my two-hour connection in Australia to a different airline. So I canceled that and went early in the morning. Pastor Holmes was up with or there's Pastor Holmes. Uh, he was up with me at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning trying to get answers from the people at the airport. But um, finally they ch- they switched me over to Singapore, so I... Flew to Singapore, and I called my friends in Singapore and said, hey, you remember how we weren't able to come in September? Well, I'm coming tonight, so you have a place for me? <laughs> and uh, they took care of me. It was a great blessing uh, meeting them in person, uh, a Filipino pastor and some Singaporean Chinese Christians. Um, really a, a tremendous experience being with them. Uh, it's just a, a, a pleasure to meet Bible believers wherever we are in the world. And uh, when they speak English, it's even nicer. So... Um, the, uh, then I came home by way of Germany, so I went all the way around the world that time, um, and, uh, as we were in New York, um, did a little bit of paying work to catch up on paying for all the appliances I had bought in Papua New Guinea and some other things in my trip I hadn't budgeted for, and then, uh, in, throughout the month of January in particular, um, the Lord helped our financial situation, and I, and we were clear at once again our bank account. So um, I I began to, to look, just look for what would the Lord have us to be in that area for at that time. And so I went to um, talk to my Muslim friends again, reach out to people at the market, and that uh, conversation and relationship really just kind of bloomed and blossomed in this past month or so. And um, I was there, stopped by on a Saturday, and I was talking to, uh, you've maybe seen requests numerous times for a guy named Yahya, Yahya Diamond. Um, his, he has an American last name because his father is born to a, a white man and lady, but he grew up in Yemen as, a, as an Arab. So, and he doesn't speak any English, the white guy. And the, the son, who's half white, half Arab, doesn't speak English very well, but... Um, it's, a, it's an interesting family story, and uh, but very, very, uh, very, very sincere and and uh, d- devout. I guess is the Bible word. Uh, Muslim people that truly believe in the Quran and and the teachings of 
Muhammad and all this stuff. And so, um, but I was there witnessing to Yahya's younger brother, uh, Abdul Karim, who doesn't speak very much English at all. He's in English classes. So helping him with English a little bit and talking to him about the scriptures. And uh, there was a, a guy making trouble. And so I went out the door with him to get the troublemaker out of the store. And Yahya pulls up in his Mercedes and uh, invited me to go to the mosque. He was about to go pray. And it was just a, a split-second decision that I had no plans whatsoever. Um, but uh, I had a, had a half a moment to talk to the Lord about it and um, just try to decipher in my brain, is this even going to be a safe situation? Is this uh, uh, something that would be for, you know to further the Lord's work? And I was wearing my scripture coat that says on the back, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, and hold my King James Bible in my hand, and he said I could ride with him, so I just jumped in the car with everything I had, and then, I, and then he couldn't tell me to leave it behind, and so uh, we pulled up in front of the mosque, it's a, it's a former church building, there's numerous church buildings in Rochester, and I'm, I wonder if in Grand Rapids as well, it had been converted into mosques, um, I know in Detroit, <laughs> for sure, in Dearborn, Brother David Gates talks about those, but um, so that was my first time going into a mosque, and I was treated very kindly, took my shoes off at the door, but they didn't make me do any other washing or ablutions or bleedings or uh, who knows what might happen there. Um, <laughs> but uh, I got to open King James Bible in the mosque and, and begin to witness to the youth leader, and I uh, was invited back for some further conversation, so Pastor Holmes and I were there last Saturday for about two hours in the mosque, uh, witnessing and, and talking about the scriptures. So you can pray for Isaac. Um, I don't know his real last name. His other name is uh, Abu Yusuf. I guess he has a son named Joseph. So he's known as Isaac, the father of Joseph. And uh, <clears throat> the, the conversations that we have, from a human standpoint, haven't seemed to go very far. <laughs> I told Stacy that... Uh, if this is a marathon before these guys get saved, I think we progressed about maybe five or ten feet today. But um, but it's it's a really amazing thing to me just seeing the Lord open those doors and providing safety. I was very glad when Pastor Holmes got to go with me and have just a little little backup support, someone to to have some accountability and keep an eye on me. And um, but uh, you can pray for those conversations that are continuing by phone messages, um, as we're not in Rochester, but. Um, and got to witness to a lot of other people, but uh, those are the the ones that have had m the most developing contact and, and communication. So um, I've been learning a lot about Islam and about how vitally important it is that the Bible is our authority. And if we have any questions about the truth of the Bible, that we'll we'll not get anywhere. <laughs> witnessing to really anybody, but especially the Muslims, um, and how they would claim that it, it contains the Word of God, but it has, you know, man's words added to it and subtracted, and, and so, you know, we're not really sure which parts of it are the Word of God. That's how a lot of Christians act, so-called in name, or, or there may be saved people that have been taught wrong or, or believe wrong about the Scriptures that, well, we, we have the basic idea, the message, but we're not sure about all the words. That's, that's never going to make it. If if you believe that, and I was saying it New Life, I hope I didn't shock people too much, but I was, I was saying if you believe that, maybe you should become a Muslim because 
that's that's right where they are that uh you know it's there's there's something in there that's true but but uh and uh, don't don't go quoting me saying that I said you should become a muslim but uh but that that that's where that's how important the scriptures are the absolute truth of every word and uh so it's been a, a good learning experience for me and to to become more um just delighted with how perfect God's word is, that it has everything we need. And we don't have to apologize for, for what God said. We don't have to try to skirt around it and, and um, explain it away, but that we can stand on it and that uh, it, it has the power to effectually work in those that believe. So uh, you can pray for them, pray for me as I continue in conversation with them. And uh, also throughout this past month, I've been in, in communication with more, more with my oldest brother. So Pastor Holmes and I have an appointment to see him on Thursday this week in uh, San Francisco, Oakland, California, and uh, you pray for that meeting. It's a uh, it's a conversation that's also taking years, but um, but there's another opportunity for us to speak the truth in love and to show that that we're not giving up on him, that we uh, we're not giving up on the Bible either, but that that the Bible teaches us to love him, even though uh, his worldview um, throws us in the in the trash, but. Um, so there's, there's a lot going on, but, uh, it's been a blessing having Pastor Holmes with us and nailing things down. You can pray for us as I try to get our plane tickets changed to May. And Lord willing, as we say, when we're, uh, playing hide and seek, Pastor Holmes, ready or not, here we come. <laughs> so, uh, we're endeavoring to get everything together, um, right after Annabelle's wedding and missions conference at Old Pets. So, uh, a lot to do in the next little while. We're, we're here for some point in time, we're figuring out when we're going back to New York. We have to be there at, at the very least a couple months from now. So um, pray for us that the Lord would continue to give us uh, opportunities, doors of utterance to speak for him while we're here in Michigan. And uh, as we prepare and repack and unpack and repack for moving shortly. So um, I think we have a few people that want to sing with Pastor Holmes before he preaches. Is that, is that the time to do that? And then, you play all get the Hussite Savile to Pisan, you play Carmen Tadna, you must think about it. Sing in tongues here and then interpret for you. <laughs> so sing, O oh Papa God, and then verse one and verse one. <coughs>
Thank you, Pastor. Good evening, everyone. Uh, firstly, I want to take this time to thank God for allowing me to come. Brother Reese brought me to his church uh, at Rochester. We're down there at Old Part Bible Baptist Church. Now, Miss Stacy brings me to her home church here, and I'm thankful for coming here, visiting the family, the church families, and I want to also say thank you to the church for allowing your pastor to come. He was in Papua New Guinea a couple of weeks. Uh, he was helping with us with the, the prophet chamber we're building. Uh, we, we finished the, one of the rooms already now, but we're having problem with the power. Uh, the guy that was supposed to do the power, the wiring, to finish that work, uh, he, he had a problem. They, he, was he was driving one of the, he works for the power company. He was driving the vehicle, the rascals took that vehicle. It affected him to travel over, so please pray for him. Uh, when I go back, we will try to sort it out and we try to fix the power and the plumbing work quickly. And Brother Reese and his family can come in by May, the second week of May. So please pray with us and the Lord will help us. And I appreciate coming tonight. Pastor, thank you once again for allowing me to preach tonight. Uh, you have your Bibles tonight. Go to the book of First Kings chapter number 18, 17, sorry. First Kings chapter number 17. Uh, pray for my daughter. She will be going into Myanmar. She's now in the Philippines. I'll be going this week over to Philippines. We'll try to sort things out and she will travel into Myanmar. She'll be working in orphanage uh, to reach the children of Myanmar. So please pray for her. Uh, there's a lot of challenges as a young lady going in. So well, I was this year in February I was in, in, in Philippines. We had a lot of friends coming from Australia, New Zealand, from the Philippines. Some of my friends, American missionaries, they said, Hey, Brother Holmes, your daughter is going to that country. That's dangerous for ladies to go in. And I said, I did not call her. I did not call her to go to Myanmar. God called her to go to Myanmar. If something happens to her, that's okay. Uh, the Lord called her to go in to save him. So please pray for her. The uh, Lord will give her strength to do the ministry God has called her to do. Um, first Kings chapter number 17, I'll be reading from verse 1 to 16. I'll bring a message tonight. Uh, the key verse will be in verse number 13. The Bible reads in the book of First Kings chapter number 17, it says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall be no dew, no rain, this is, but according to my word, and the Lord 
And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hands, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Chariot, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Chariot, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening. He drank of the brook. It came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Seraphat, which belongeth to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. And he arose and went to Seraphat, and when he came into the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord liveth, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me therefore a little cake first, and bring it unto me. And after make for thee and for thy son. For thus said the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. She went indeed according to the saying of Elijah, she and, her, she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which is spake by Elijah. Heavenly Father, help us tonight. And Lord, I commit this time into your hands. Thank you for the privilege you have given us, the freedom you have given us. And Lord, it's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. And Lord, I pray that you help me, and use me as a vessel tonight. And I thank you for thy word tonight. And I ask this pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. I'll preach tonight from verse number 13. It says, And Elijah said unto her, Fear not. When you see that word, fear not, it's a word of comfort. You're in a situation and when someone tells you, fear not, he's giving you comfort. And he tells him, Elijah tells that widow and tells her, fear not. Then the second word is go. That's an instruction. Then and the Bible says, and, and do, that's the action. Thou hast said, but make me a little. Every time when you see that word, but, it changes the, the sentence. It's, he tries to give you the other side of the, 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 the word he's trying to say. And he said, but make me therefore a little cake first, and bring it unto me. And after, make for thee and thy son. This evening I'll be preaching on the title, Go and do as thou hast said. Go and do as thou hast said. You said it, go and do it. What if I don't do it? 
See, there's instructions in the Bible that God tells us to do something. What if I don't do what the Lord has told me to do? There's a price to it. And we're going to pay a price when we don't do something the Lord has told us to do. That widow has a little meal, a little oil, two sticks of firewood. That's little firewood. That's all she had. That challenge was given by the man of God. She said, this is my last meal. This is the, the, the meal I have for myself and my, my child. We're going to eat these and we're going to die. She had an opportunity to believe what the man of God said and do what the man of God said or to walk away from what the man of God said and do likewise. Will she obey? There was a choice. She knew that she was going to eat that last meal. She was going to die after eating that meal. Was she going to believe the man of God and do what as the man of God told her to do? It was also easy to reject what the man of God said to her. But she had that little meal. She had to believe what the man of God said so that she knew there was an opportunity either to reject the word of the man of, the God, man of God or to, to, to just say, forget about it. I'm going to follow my own ways. When she heard what the man of God said, she knew that that was an opportunity. I'm going to obey the man of God. I'm going to listen to what this man is saying. This is my only hope. This is my only chance. I'm going to listen to what the man of God is saying. See, the, Israel, the, the nation of Israel rebelled against God. They disobeyed God. That's why it was not going to rain three years. It was not going to rain until the man of God will say it's going to rain. And now they were going through this famine. Everybody was going through a hard time. This widow could easily say, hey, can you go to those that have a lot of food? I'm just only a widow. Can you go to others and get something from them? She never argued. She never said that. It was an opportunity she had to do it. Live or die was still the same for her. And she had to use what she had to follow the way, what the man of God said. The rest is her story. We say his story. That's her story. What you have today, this evening. Many times we think about what we don't have. And the little we have, we think we cannot give this little to God. And God can take that little and use it. We want to think about what we don't have. We said, oh, if I have... If I have many, if I have much, I'm going to give it to the Lord. God is not talking about what you will have tomorrow or the next year. He's looking at what you have, the little you have today. That little, when you put it into God's hand, oh, you see a miracle. You see something happen. What if I said, I won't do it. When I fail to do my part, what's going to happen to me? I challenge folks at our church, if we disobey God, if we don't do what God wants us to do, do you know there's a risk to it? Do you know that you're going to pay that risk? What, are, what if I don't do what the Lord wants me to do? Well, the first thing I want you to see in this chapter, verse number four, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. First thing we see, here the Bible shows us men of God was fed by the ravens. 
The ravens were the dirtiest birds. They were unclean. But God used those unclean birds to feed the men of God. God told him, go to the brook. That was a command. He had to listen. He had to go to the brook. The Bible says, And the word of the Lord came unto him, and saying, Get thee hands, turn the eastward, hide thyself by the brook chariot that is before Jordan. Elijah had to listen to the, what the, God said to him. He had to follow that instruction. And he went into that place, and he stayed there beside that brook. And he was, when he went there, the Bible said the ravens came, and they fed him. Those dead years birds came, they fed him day and night, they, in the morning and the afternoon. They fed him. Ravens live on that, that, that animals. You see dead animals on the road? But ravens eat on that. They feed on that. But these birds were told by God to feed his men. The Bible says, First Kings chapter number 17, verse 6, it says, And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. The ravens were told to feed the men of God. And I tell our people, if we forget about taking care of the men of God, God's going to use people we think are not fit in our society. And they're going to feed him. They're going to take care of the men of God. If we, the people of God, know that we have an obligation to follow, we have a com commitment to do something, to take care of the men of God, to take care of missionaries, to take care of those that are preaching the gospel to us, and if we don't do that, God's going to use the deadliest people. And they're going to feed those men. They're going to feed the men of God. They're going to take care of that. And it's important to understand that. God used the ravens. God showed them that he can use anything. Where did the ravens get the meat and bread from? Where did they get those meat and bread? They went to the human beings. These people were having the last meal, putting the meat on the side, putting the bread on the side. The birds flew in, picked up those bread, picked up those meat, go, go and feed the man of God. And say, hey, he took our meat, he took our bread. That's our last food meal. And the bed took off with the food to feed the man of God. And I tell our people, if we fail to give to God to take care of his man, we're going to pay the price. High cost of living. There's going to be expenses after expenses we're going to meet in our life. And we're going to think, why is this all happening to me? Why am I going through all these, these problems uh, where it's costing me a lot of money? Uh, sometimes I tell people back in Papua New we commit a lot of money. We give it to our, our traditional, our, our, the, the, like they, they have a feast or they have a special gathering. We try to put money into all those things. And sometimes we forget to give our missions. We, we forget to give our money to the church, to the ministry. God has his way to get things. God's going to take care of the man. But you, we're going to pay the price for it. God will feed, but God will also remove same time he uses others to feed his workmen, God's going to remove from people what we are supposed to do, the things we're supposed to do, and we're not doing it. He's going to remove from us, he's going to use others to feed them. And we see here God using the ravens to feed his man. Man of God fed by ravens. Secondly, man of God fed by widow. First Kings chapter 17, verse number 9, Arise, go to Jerophat which belonged to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman 
there to sustain there. Secondly, the man of God was fed by a widow. In the Jewish culture, when the husband dies, the husband's people take back everything. They take everything, the widow is left on the road. The le widow is left out. They take everything back from the widow. It was a struggle culture, a custom the Jews followed. So every time you see in the Bible when he talks about widows giving, they struggle to give. They come to a point, they're sacrificing their life to give. So every time you see a widow, it reminds us about giving. And Jesus Christ uses widow because their life, it was a struggle life. It was a hardship they were going through, but yet they had something to give to the Lord. And he showed us here, the, he was fed by the widow. The widow was getting ready to make her last meal. She had nothing much, nothing less. That little she had, she took it as an opportunity to give it to the man of God. It was easy to say, why me, Lord? This is for myself and my son. We had a radio on back in Papua New Guinea. We're down at one of the churches. It's called Lighthouse Baptist Church. And we had a radio in Mount Hagen. It's called Bible FM. And we're getting ready for that serotonin. We're raising money to, to put tower in Port Mosby, about 40,000 kina. That night I preached. After I preached, I told them, how much the Lord has laid on your heart to give. You just make a pledge. There was a widow. Out of the pastors, out of all the church members, a widow stood up. She said, I'm going to give 2,000 kina. And then people started. We raised about 40 plus thousand kina that night that came in for the radio to put a tower in Port Mosby for the radio, Christian radio station. That lady made another commitment to put radio in her hometown. And she, said, she wrote a check. She said, I'm going to give 5,000 kina. Her daughter, she was in school. They had money. The father left with them some amount of money. And then the daughter looked at the mother and said, can we add zero to that five? The mother looked at the daughter and said, this is your school fee for your university. You're going to university, this is for your school fee. And that young lady in, in her 15, 16 years old said, don't worry about that, mom. We give it to the ministry. They put zero, add zero onto it, they give 50,000. Last year, that widow, the daughter, they invited me. The widow has remarried to one of our pastors, Pastor Chris. Uh, the pastor died and he, she's remarried. They, they said, we want to talk with you. So we, we went to Dream Inn. Uh, the pastor knows that place, the Dream Inn. We went there, we sat together. Uh, now the daughter has graduated from university. Now she's a lawyer by profession. She's sitting right there. And I looked at her and I told the mother, you remember that time you said put five? Your daughter said, put zero to end. See what the Lord did to your daughter. Now she's a, a graduate lawyer. Now she's a lawyer by profession. How God can do something with that little, you trust God and give to God. A widow. The Lord sent his man so the widow will take care of her. 
And I tell our people, if we start seeing the ravens and the widows taking care of the men of God on the field, men of God in churches, we're going to be in trouble. We're going to pay the consequences. We're going to pay, we're going to get the risk. If we let those ravens and we let those widows start feeding the men of God, we're going to be in trouble. Don't let the ravens and widows feed them. You've got to step in quickly and take care of the men of God. Take care of those missionaries. If we don't do that, we'll face disasters. We'll face problems in our lives. We see 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 17. Bible says, in the barrel of wheel wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Waste or fail does not exist in God's vocabulary. When you start depending on God, relying on God, you're going to see how God will use your life. She sacrificed. She gave what she had. And the, the Lord blessed her. Lastly, this evening, the man of God was fed by ravens. Man of God fed by widows. But verse number 13, And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said. But make me therefore a little cake first. That's faith. And bring it unto me. And after, make thee, for thee and thy son. For, 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 make for thee and for thy son. We see faith here in this verse. Second, the thirdly, man of God was fed by faith. Folks, I've seen man of God, people living by faith. Sometimes life is hard out on the mission field. Sometimes we hear the stories of people getting saved. We hear about people building ministries. We, we, we hear about the success. But sometimes we don't hear much about the struggles they're going through. How they exercise their faith. How they show their faith in situations they're going through. Missionaries going into a foreign field is different from missionaries serving in a local field. Americans serving in America is different from Americans going out into a foreign field. They had to learn the language. They had to learn the culture. They had to learn how to eat their food. Sometimes their children are born in Papua New Guinea, Africa, or in Asia. They adapt to the culture there. And sometimes they don't think that they're from America. They think they're from that part of the world. The struggle they go through. There was a missionary I met. He's in Daru, Brother Jason Russell. He is, he's, he is, the first born was a boy. His name was Titus. I went over to preach. We, we got on the tractor. We got, we got at the airport in Daru. We crossed the, main, the island to the mainland, 15 minutes boat ride. We got on, on the mainland and we cut through the river. It's called the Ori Oriomo River. We went five hours that river. We arrived at the place. We left everything. We took everything out from the dinky. We put it on his tractor. We rode 14 hours on the tractor. I was at the back of the tractor. Oh, man. 
Brother Jason was driving. He, he's okay. He was sitting there. He was driving. I'm standing at the back with everything. This, there's no road. We're going in and out. And he's, we're driving the tractor. I'm going up and down. And I'm thinking, I won't come back again this road. <laughs> and every time I tell them, I tell our Papadimians, you've got to respect missionaries. You're locally from here. You'll never get to places these missionaries are saving. You're a Papadimian, but you're going to turn back and you're going to come back. Missionaries are going to some of the remotest places in Papua New Guinea. You know what's making them serve in those places? Because of their faith in God. They trusted God. God's going to take care of them. They take the families into those places and put them in the places. The place they're staying in, they go into those villages. In the night, we went out, we went deer hunting. Brother Jason said, Brother Holmes, we need to go deer hunting. So we took the truck and went all the way back. Just... You're enjoying yourself in, the, in the, those places. But I'm thinking, the American missionary and the children, and this young man, he's now back in California. He's trying to speak English to me. And he's speaking just like Papua New Guineans, speaking broken English. He did not see me. I'm turning around. I'm looking at him, and I, my heart just breaks. This American boy speaking just like Papua New Guineans, speaking broken English. He had no one to talk to. He's, he had old sisters. He, he, he did not want to spend time with his sisters. He had to go look for boys in, in the village. They speak broken English. He spoke just like them. Men of God living by faith. Sometimes I tell them, we smile at you. We talk to you. You don't know what we're going through sometimes. We don't, we, it's hard to tell. It's hard to express to people. Only God knows our struggles as we go through life. And you see men of God living by faith. What an example we've seen here. Men of God fed by ravens. Men of God fed by widows. Men of God fed by, fed by faith. Because of his faith, God took care of him. And I tell our people every time, when we don't understand the importance of the man of God, we don't even see his struggles, and God's tied to use someone to take care of his struggles, we will pay the price. It's going to be big on us. This is why it's important tonight. Please, learn to obey what the Lord wants us to do tonight. Do, go and do as Dawah said. Go and do as you have said it. Go and do it. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight. Thank you for thy word. Lord, help us. That we can be a blessing to the men of God. Our pastor, our missionaries, our evangelists, that we can be a blessing to them. Oh, help us. That the little we have, we can give. And we can, we can know that that little you can use to make miracles in people's life. That little you can use to, to, to help that missionary, help that pastor. And we can see people getting saved because that little we gave with faith. Oh, God, help us tonight. I pray and commit this time into your hands that you bless this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.